Congratulations. Congratulations, congratulations. Winning's fun, right? Yes. Winning is fun. Winning is fun. My hat's off to everybody in this room. We've battled, and you were battle-tested, okay? You were battle-tested. You guys continue to uh, stick together. Great things are going to happen to this football team moving forward. Okay, you just got to continue to believe. Continue to believe in one another. All right, great job. We got to finish with one now. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. Welcome to Jags AM. It, winning is really fun, so that's why we're going to celebrate Victory Monday all week long here on Jags AM because the Jags finally break their four-game losing streak. They get a win over the Panthers, and they do it in the best way possible by playing clean football and not making mistakes. Our first big thing today is going to be it was always the Titans. So we had this game circled on the calendar. It came down to the Titans game, the final game of the regular season last year. It's going to be the same situation this year. And Josh Allen told us why it's always a little bit special when it's against the rival. Again, you know, that goes down to the rival game. Uh, you say they're not playing for anything. I mean, they're playing for a lot. They're playing for pride, they're playing for themselves, they're playing for check, they're playing for everything. Uh, so for us, right, you know how rivalry games go. Uh, you know, you can be the best team, you can be the worst team, but rivalry games, the energy's gonna be high. And so we have to, we have to come prepared to play. Uh, no lackadaisical movement, no, no going through the motions. We have to start Monday, know when we're gonna play first and foremost, and get ready to prepare every single day. If we can do that, you know, I, I can see the same outcome as this. Brian, the Titans aren't playing for anything on paper, but sometimes playing for pride is the most important thing. So I can't imagine this is going to be an easy matchup. No, it won't. And we just need to go back and look at last uh, January when they rolled down here and they had Josh Dobbs. They didn't have Andre uh, or uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Derrick Henry, and um, Ryan Tannehill all on the field, right? I mean, it was pretty much Derrick Henry and Josh Dobbs, and they darn near beat the Jaguars and knocked him off. This isn't as good a team, but Mike Vrabel's a really good coach, and he'll have them ready to go, locked and loaded to play. And John, you know, look, this is probably Derrick Henry's final game as a Tennessee Titan, which means that the video board is going to be loaded with highlights of what he's done to torture the Jaguars through the years. Probably that long 99-yard touchdown run will be over and over and over. And there's some marks he can hit, like set a franchise record with 41 career 100-yard days against the Jaguars. He could get that done. So my guess is, is you're going to get the best they've got, and Henry's still pretty good. Yeah, I feel like all 41 have uh, come against the Jaguars. Um, <laughs> look, it's, uh, it's not the same team that came in here last year. They're not as good. Uh, they're more similar to the Carolina team last week in the sense that they are struggling right now uh, toward the end of the season. Talking to people up there, they think the uh, motivation for the Titans is not as much being the Jaguars as it is just winning a game. There's not a whole lot of rivalry feel uh, for the people I've talked to. That being said, you need to do the same thing you did against Carolina, which is get up early, get a touchdown lead, and make them not believe. I think if, if you do that, I think you can get this game without a whole lot of drama. Uh, that's easier said than done on the road against a Mike Vrabel coach team. Yeah, let me highlight that real quick because you talk about getting a lead, John. If the Jaguars get a lead, then they won't be able to give the ball to Henry. And the numbers on that are very stark. When he carries the ball 17 times or fewer this year, Kai, he only averages 37 yards per game. But when it's 18 or more, it's 114. So their best hope of beating the Jaguars is Derrick Henry getting something done on the ground. If you build that early lead that John talked about, you take that away. Also, Kai, the Jaguars haven't won this year trailing at halftime, so get a lead. 
lead always helps, and it helps out the defense as well. That's our second big thing, which is defense helping out the offense. The offense was very good last week and not turning the ball over and playing smart football. Could have done a little bit better in the red zone, but we're working on that. The defense, though, also played well and helped out the offense. When the defense is playing like that, it, it takes so much pressure off the offense and off the quarterback to feel like you have to press and do this and do that. So, you know, we, you know, obviously we'd like to be better in the red zone, but um, when your defense is playing like that, it's not the worst thing, just kicking field goals and, and taking care of the football. We kind of knew all week we wanted to protect the ball and uh, just, you know, move the ball and put up points. And that's what we did. The defense played played great. Um, yeah, so, so hats off to those guys and hats off to Josh for, you know, getting this three sacks today and, and getting that record. That's, that's a big deal and that's, that's awesome. John, when you've lost so many games in a row, you're trying to get your momentum back. I think even if it's field goals, getting points on the board and then playing solid defense, that's the complementary football that they haven't been doing the past month. And that was what was able to get them an early lead and then a little bit of confidence. Yeah, I thought it was key. You know, uh, Brandon McManus had struggled coming into the game. They were longer field goals that he missed in that four-game stretch. I think he missed four out of five. Uh, and I think three of them were from 50 or plus and win. So it's not like he's a horrible kicker. They just hadn't been going through. They, they were getting closer the other day. But, yeah, getting that scoreboard advantage. Doug Peterson does a nice job within close games of playing to the score, of getting up by a touchdown, of getting up by a couple of touchdowns, and then being able to sort of dictate play after that. He, he's a really good scoreboard game coach. Um, when field goals aren't going through, Brian, it, it's tougher to play that strategy-type game because all of a sudden – the things you've done to get there haven't gotten any advantage and you're back to square one. So uh, I, in my 10 things the Jaguars need to do to win on Sunday, uh, making makeable kicks is one of them. You know, Press Taylor talked about uh, last week before the game against the Panthers about how they had a game plan ready to go and then the circumstances of the game got away from them. And that's what you're talking about there. Field goals and how you tend to play get away from you. Just one more point on the Jaguars building a lead, and that is, is it unleashed the pass rush last week? You saw six sacks, which totally took away any sort of rhythm from the young quarterback for Carolina. And you happen to be going against a Titans offensive line that allowed six sacks last week. So making the kicks, getting the first downs, putting points on the board, allows you to really play to the strength of your defensive line. And last week, it was outstanding. So. All those little things add up, and the field goal part of it certainly is part of it. Our final big thing is staying dialed in. Because of that losing streak for the Jaguars, it's been pretty much must-win since last week. It'll be must-win this week, and then, of course, the playoffs if they get there. So staying dialed in is going to be key going forward. Coming down to Week 18, I mean, that's just – I think our guys really thrive on these situations, um, and, and that's okay. You know, uh, it, it's, it's – um, it's a great opportunity for our for our organization, for our franchise, for our players, for our owner, you know, to be in this situation. And um, you know, uh, we got to go. We got to go play another good football team on the road, and, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll enjoy this one, obviously, and and prepare you know prepare this uh, this week whenever we play. Brian, I'm sure many of us would have appreciated if they locked up a playoff spot a little bit earlier in the year, but they really do play their best football when their back's against a wall. Well, I hope so, because they haven't played their best football this year in big games, Kai. I circled five dates when the schedule came out in the spring, Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, Cincinnati, and the Ravens. And they only won one of those games, right? And we heard after the Chiefs' loss that it was the worst week of practice that they had all season long. Well, flip it now. We heard that last week was the best week of practice. 
So hopefully they're in that mindset. It doesn't get any bigger than this. Win and you're in, lose, and you probably go home because of the way that the scenarios play out. And I know we're going to talk about that later. But if this team has been lacking anything this year, it's been that situational awareness of a big game. And when you've got to play your best and you can't have any excuses, injuries or otherwise. Yeah, I, uh, I think it remains to be seen if they play their best with their backs against the wall this year because, to me, Sunday is the biggest example of that. Uh, beating Carolina was very impressive at home. Now you got to go on the road in a place where until last year you hadn't played very well, the whole thing. Uh, yeah, it, it, Look, if you're not ready, if you're not dialed in for this one, uh, go do something else. Just go do something else. John said it. Stay with us here on Jagzam. Do not go do something else. We're going to talk about the playoff scenarios coming up here on Jagzam, presented by Jet Home Loans. Jagzam is brought to you by Fields Auto Group Jacksonville. You can step up to luxury at fieldsauto.com. We also want to take a moment to thank JEA's frontline teams for their critical services they provide to this community. Today, we'd like to recognize JEA employees who volunteered over 500 hours at the Salvation Army Toy Show. Thank you for helping make the holiday season a little bit brighter for our community. There was seven and one with Cam's on the field, and I feel like uh, he just bring that veteran presence. He just been here. He he been he been through everything with the Jaguars, and uh, he understand what it was like when they weren't winning no games, and now he knows what it is to feel like success. And he just has that aura about him, and I feel like it just kind of feeds off into the other guys, and uh, that just he he just means so much to the offensive line, to the team, to all of us. And I feel like when he's out, it just kind of, you definitely notice. It's good to have him back. It was just. It's just, uh, he's just a difference maker for us. He's an energy, uh, his energy is contagious in that room. Um, and uh, we ran the ball really well today. Uh, so having him back was a plus for us. And, um, I, I know he's probably just back, starting to get back in his groove too. So, um, you know, he came out healthy today. And, you know, we're gonna keep moving forward with him for sure. He just pulled my helmet off, so I pulled his off. <laughs> and through. Yeah. Got the last lap. I normally do. Cam being Cam, he always gets the last laugh. I know he doesn't love that narrative of that the team being seven and one when he plays, but everybody else does, and they all love him when he's out there, and they play a little bit different too. And uh, nice to see a little bit, a little bit of Cam's energy at the end of the game too, when things were in hand as well. Yeah, it, it's not that they win seven and one because Cam Robinson's. I mean, but they are a different team. They run better, and frankly. He's the alpha on the offense. You know, we had this conversation with Nate Hackett back in 2017 mm -hmm. uh, where he identified Cam Robinson, who was a rookie, as being one of the two or three guys on the offense that they could count on to bring it, you know, mm -hmm. top competitor at all times. And that was a good running team that year. Right? Yeah. I mean, so He does matter in the run game. Yeah, and, you, you know, when you, when you talk about those guys, and, and it's hard unless you're in that locker room and, and you get to know them a little bit personally – you know the guys to whom football matters, mm -hmm. right? And to some guys, it's good, it's important, but it's not like everything. Mm -hmm. um, and not every guy in every locker room is ever going to be that way. But Cam is one of the guys in that locker room. Man, it really freaking matters to him. And I, I've changed my tune. You know, I kind of thought he was going to be one of those guys that, that was going to be a cap casualty next year as they went to sign a bunch of those other young players. Those young players haven't come through this year, and Cam certainly has. I don't think there's any way that you can let Cam Robinson go. Yeah, do you want to go into big games without him? Hell no. So that's, yeah. yeah. I don't want to see that locker room without him either because when we talk about 
hating to lose more than you like to win, oh. Cam is one of those people to me. And I loved the standoff on the field. I loved it. That was their best player, Derek Brown, mm-hmm. and the Jaguars' best offensive lineman, and one of their best players, and he just wouldn't let go. And the way he tossed the helmet casually, I just, I loved it. I mean, it's not the best in sportsmanship, and at least he didn't, he didn't hit somebody because mm-hmm. maybe they would have given him more than they're going to give him, but I loved it because it, it, it set the tone, Kai, that I think has been lacking from this team. That, that was a big game in the sense that they had to win it, and I thought that that was the best sign that I've seen from this team in more than a month. I know head coach Doug Peterson liked it because in the media session the other day, someone yeah. asked him about it, and he was just ear-to-ear grin yeah. talking about it. Um, let's talk a little bit about playoffs. So obviously the easiest route for this team is going to be win and in. They can lose, and then there's a little backdoor situation of, of they can back into the playoffs with some other things going their way. But then you're a lower seed. Obviously nobody wants that. And then the way this team's been playing, if they lose and then get in, I, I don't know what the success rate is really going to be there because you're also probably going to be taking on Baltimore or uh, Miami. Well, so you, you know right out of the gate, you, you will know, I should say, yeah. on Saturday night because in order for the Jaguars to lose on Sunday and still make the playoffs, they need the Ravens to beat the Steelers on Saturday. And they've already said in Baltimore that Lamar Jackson's not going to play, which means there will be a number of guys who are probably beat up and banged up on both sides of the ball that won't play either. And the Steelers are going to come hard charging. It's a rivalry game anyway. I don't see the Ravens beating the Steelers on Saturday night, which will just further, hopefully, John, you know, get the team focused on what they better do on Sunday. Yeah, it, look, this is winner in, and realistically, it takes a miracle to get in if you don't. So mm-hmm. if they don't win, they don't deserve to be in. So uh, That's a true statement. there's also a scenario in there if the Steelers – lose which could happen they're inconsistent it's not a guarantee that a resting Baltimore team couldn't win that game uh, then you need Denver to either lose or tie and and I'd clear that up that's because Denver can't make the playoffs but they can get into a potential tie with Jacksonville and uh, Pittsburgh and once you get into a three-way tie then all of a sudden the head-to-head that the Jaguars have over Pittsburgh is thrown out and it comes down to that three-way deal. So it's it's complex. Trust me that that's what it is, even (laughs) if I didn't explain it right. But uh, the long and short is they're depending on Pittsburgh to lose. I mean, and that realistically is not something you can depend on going into this game. So well, that Look, isn't the only it's a playoff game. Yeah, and that isn't the only one. You also need the Raiders to beat the Broncos. And you'd say, well, the Raiders that Antonio Pierce has had on the field at various mm-hmm. times will clearly beat the But they've Broncos. also been up and down. Too. Yeah, up Both and down. Yeah. So you need two things to happen, right? If it was just one, your percentage is higher. But two, your percentage drops. Look, they're a better team than the Titans. Mm-hmm. They should beat the Titans. Mm-hmm. Go do it and eliminate all of the consternation about it. And the good news is, is that it, at least on Saturday night, they'll know one way or the other if there's an opportunity for them. And the same matchup that enabled the Jaguars to completely control the Titans here is still there for the yeah, taking. They were up it's, it's offensive line of the Titans, which is not the offensive line that's been last, uh, you know, before last year, against what I still feel is the Jaguars' strength, which is their defensive front. Um, they ought to be able to get sacks. They ought to be able to make those eight mistakes. To me, again, the key goes back to don't, have weirdness early 
that gives them a lead that surprises them and energizes yeah. them. And if you don't do that, if you play the way you did out here on Sunday, which is three nothing, maybe three three, sit ten, get up. Uh, if you get up on this team, I think they will be ready to leave. And remember that they were up 27 nothing on them at the end of the third quarter. It wasn't until the fourth quarter that they made it a closer game. Mm -hmm. And so the reality of it is, is that they did the same thing to the Panthers that they did for three quarters against the Titans. They should be able to match up and win and eliminate any of the worry about the playoffs. The only reason the Titans kind of looked like they were worth anything was Levis kind of threw a couple big deep balls, and he left the last game with an injury, so we don't know if we'll see Tannehill, we'll see Levis. So It'd be surprising if Levis plays, considering out of the, out of the two, he's the future guy. Mm -hmm. I don't know that they would – again, I have no insight on this. I don't know they – if you put him out there in an injury risk situation and risk him having to rehab in the offseason, I doubt they do that. Well, the one thing, though, that, that leans in the direction of Levis is, is that – that the head coach Mike Brabel said last week before he got injured that every rep the rest of the way was so valuable to him and then said yesterday in his news conference that he anticipated that he was feeling better and had a chance to practice this week. So I, I, I get the sense listening to Mike Brabel's news conference, he very much wants him to play. It, we should point out, this is probably, no, it is not probably, it is Ryan Tannehill's final game. Mm -hmm. He jumped up there in 2019 and led them to the playoffs and mm -hmm. gave them you know, with Derrick Henry behind him, gave them, you know, a great run, a couple of, of division titles. So, you know, the intangible that you do fight against is, is his final game, Derrick Henry's final game, and Vrabel going at it with a reporter yesterday in his news conference talking about how much, right, he used a specific adjective that I will not, how much it sucked to lose. That man hates losing. Yeah, <laughs> I like him a lot. I so. think he's a really good coach, and, and I hope he goes to New England and Bill I wish he would retires. coach somewhere else. That'd yeah, be great. exactly. Um, all right, stay with us here on Jagzam. We're going to come back, do a little this or that as we look ahead to what's going to go down in the last week of the regular season. For 10 years, DreamFinders Homes has been proud to call themselves the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You can visit DreamFindersHomes.com for all the available inventory and go Jags. Price.com is the easiest way to save money with comparison shopping, cashback coupons, all in one. It is free. You can check out Price.com today. He played smart. He played tough. Uh, came back in after being checked. Um, you know, he, 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 he ran the offense. And, um, you know, uh, credit the offensive line, you know, especially in the second half of, of really kind of taking over and, and, and helping out in the run game. And, you know, and, and the thing, too, sometimes is when, you know, when, when, you're, when your starter's out, your backup's in, I think the focus, the attention is a little bit, you know, those guys are a little more zeroed in. Um, and, and we saw that today really from not only the offense, but I think the defense as well. This or that. This or that. Welcome into This or That here on Jags AM. CJ Beathard playing in place of Trevor Lawrence, who missed his first career start. Beathard uh, managed the game well. It didn't turn the ball over, played smart football, um, allowed, you know, getting points in the red zone by field goals uh, most of the time. Um, and Travis Etienne had a good day as well, so that certainly helped. And then the defense went off, and that is always helpful. So as we look at this or that this week, this is, you know, win or go home situation pretty much um, in Tennessee. So where do you go with players that are kind of on the borderline here? Is this a rest them? But can you do that if it's a must-win game? Or is it all in? I don't rest anybody that yeah. that can play and you feel like you help them because, um, yes, they should win. And I, I firmly believe that 
contending teams in this situation usually beat non-contending teams because of the urgency factor. Uh, but that's no guarantee in this league. We saw it a couple years back when the Jaguars beat the Colts uh, to knock the Colts out. So it can happen. Um, you know, I, I think if, if they're 100% or not 100%, but if they're in, in a percent where they can help you, you play them. And I don't think there's any question. But I do think there's a question of the quarterback position because that shoulder situation to me is, is a percentage game, if that makes sense. We don't know where it's going to be. I doubt it's going to be 100, and then they have to determine is 85, is 88 enough to have him on the field, or do they play well with CJ? I'm not downplaying the decision they have to make. No, it's a big decision. Uh, look, I, I think one of the reasons why you, they, they held Zay Jones out last week mm -hmm. is because they thought they could win without him and try to get him healthier, get his percentage higher mm -hmm. so that he could go this week. And we learned earlier today that Christian Kirk's 21-day practice window would be open today, and that's a strong sign that he will be able to go this week. They've done it a few times this year, Kai, and the only player who didn't make it to Sunday was Christian Braswell, the rookie cornerback. So the sense is, is that you'll have Zay and Christian. Now, the decision on the quarterback is a, a big decision because it's long-term with that. And we, we talked about um, uh, Anthony Richardson last week and what that has done to his season and, and his rehabilitation process. Uh, but I would think you're going against a Titans team that scored 19 points the last two games combined. I would think you'd be able to go up there with C.J. Beathard and do the same thing you did last week, still win with him as your quarterback. They just don't score a lot of points in Tennessee this year. We talked a little bit about this last week, but if Trevor is able to go but he doesn't practice again, is that something we want to see? No. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think they – I would think Doug gained confidence that they could do what Brian's talking about with C.J. Beathard last week. Mm -hmm. So you have a formula that you're comfortable with, the players are comfortable with, of, okay, well, if Trevor gets out there on, on Wednesday, fine. If he's not out there by Thursday, then I think you have to look back and say, well, look, we are comfortable with this. We settled things down. Uh, it felt like the mind was right. Whatever all it is, all the chaos of the last four weeks sort of calmed. So, I, it, no, if he doesn't practice, they certainly will not feel the need to throw him out there unprepared. Uh, so I think the next – I don't know if today is as important as tomorrow because I think if he would get a full day tomorrow, then he, he would play. But I think the next two days, obviously – tell a lot in this story the last two times he's played without practicing he's thrown six interceptions mm -hmm. right I mean he has not played well so we have a body of work there um, now I, I do think that if Christian Kirk and Zay Jones are out there well maybe you feel a little more comfortable because you didn't have those either guys. you know in in either of those games uh, against the Buccaneers you didn't have both of them in in either of those games against the um, the Browns and the Buccaneers so I mean maybe that changes the trigonometry of this whole thing I just think you, Jeffrey Simmons is on injured reserve. He is their best defensive player and an absolute game record. And if you go back and watch the tape, he played outstanding against the Jaguars, even though the Jaguars ran up a big bill on those guys. Um, so he's not there, and you've got C.J. Beathard and an offense that will function even greater if you've got Christian and Zay on the field with Evan and Calvin. Man, I feel even better about C.J. Beathard this week with all the practice reps and going with it, and I wouldn't risk Trevor if you're not completely confident that he can play well on the practice field. Yeah, the, the factor, obviously, is um, 
in those four games, they were playing hot teams that were playing well. They're not playing hot teams they're playing well right now. So that is in the trigonometry yeah, Brian right. talks about. And, uh, you know, CJ did a great job last week. Uh, really only one play downfield. If you feel like you need strike plays, if you feel like you need to go after it a little bit, um, I'm saying CJ can't do that. But that's where let's not get so hyped up about the C.J. Beathard train that we forget that there are things in terms of attacking right. that Trevor does very well. If he's healthy, you want him there. I just don't know how the shoulder is. Right, and and I don't know that there's an actual C.J. Beathard train, but I get where you're going with that. Oh, there's a train. <laughs> there's there's you, always a train. You, he is capable <laughs> of playing well, and, and he showed that last week. But he's not a frontline starter. I think he's 3-10 and 10 in 13 yeah. career starts. You have to know what you've got there. And last week, Doug Peterson and Press Taylor put a game plan together, and he executed that game plan. So it's a matter of Doug and, and, and Press having another game plan against these guys. And John talked about taking shots, where you're going to have to be able to run the ball and use Evan Ingram and Christian Kirk, provided he's on the field, to set up the deep shots and then give him those shots. It's it's going to be well managed this week and and having those other players on the field allows them the breathing room to not have to force it with trevor if he can't practice we talked a little bit about this for our other this or that already but christian kirk's window is available zay jones has been practicing but he has not been back on the field in a game because as we've seen throughout the season he's you know practice gone back come back onto the injury list they've it's been an ongoing situation with him and from the inclinations we get it's going to be an injury he deals with until he's in the off season so which one do we think will come back first brian sounds like you think both of them are coming back this week john what do you think i think both of them are coming back um certainly the way doug talked on monday uh he was couching it a little bit but it certainly sounded like he thought both of them were going to play and there is um that to me plays a little bit into the Trevor decision. Yep. Um, you would like the big picture here is still that this is a team that was eight and three at one point, was in the top seed, and the AFC big picture is not unwinnable for this team. They were down 10-7 against the best team in football three weeks ago. Should have probably been up 19 to 10. You know, so let's not forget that this team's goal is still a Super Bowl. Yep. If you think as Doug that you can get Christian, Zay, and Trevor on the same page this week and get hot going in, that plays into the decision a little bit as well. So, uh, I don't know. You know, uh, How about that? For good TV, <laughs> yeah. huh? It is good TV. Um, I, I think maybe the question actually is, now that we know that Christian Kirk is going to practice this week, is who has a bigger impact, right? Um, and that's a hard one to say because Christian, clearly his absence has created issues in the offense. But Zay's that guy that the quarterback trusts mm -hmm. so intently and has made big plays at key times. Um, so I, I, don't know, I don't know that one either. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go Christian all the way on that one. And I love Zay as a player. Uh, he, he matters a great deal. But that innate trust that he has with Christian Kirk, to Trevor Lawrence, if, if, if you put him on the lie detector test, <laughs> and asked who his go-to guy is. Uh, if he didn't say Christian, he'd have a tough time passing. Yeah, you're right. Well, I was just hoping for one. If you guys think both of them are coming back, this is going to be great. You got to get that sense. Well, and, and remember, not to uh, keep going on and on, yeah. Doug's talked so much in the last few weeks about the need to get guys going. When he's talked mm -hmm. about Tyson Campbell 
Andre Sisko a little bit. Uh, they would love, the more I think about it, to get those three going and get some momentum going into the postseason. If, if your goal is to be in Las Vegas, getting those guys on the same page uh, could matter a great deal this week. Yep. Sure could. Stay with us here on Jags AM. We'll preview what we've got going on the rest of the week, the final week of the regular season. Jags fans, if you want customized Jaguars furniture for your home, check out ZipChair.com to browse all customizable options. ZipChair is furniture for fans. We also want to take a moment to honor our Florida Lottery High School Scholar Athlete of the Month, Ashley Purdy. Ashley is has proven academic excellence, dedication to the community, and demonstrated leadership on and off the field. The Bright Future Scholarship Program is primarily funded by the Florida Lottery, and it assists students in pursuing post-secondary educational and career goals. A lot of work was put in. Um, you know, there were you know there were people there were people out there calling me a bust um, and had all the words in the world for me and my career and um, just uh, just a lot of credit to God and his will for me, uh, the resiliency that I showed um, in my work and in my craft and the people around me that helped pick me up every single day, um, helped me get better, uh, my teammates, my coaches, my trainers, my family, my fiance, I mean, the list goes on. Uh, it means the world to me. Um, I do not take it lightly uh, and honestly, uh, I feel like I'm going to be here for a while. A lot of... Uh personal milestones in this game. Obviously, Josh breaking the single season sack record for the franchise and Evan Ingram going over 100 receptions, only the eighth tight end to ever do that. Um, the Evan Ingram redemption arc is a great one. I really enjoy it. I'm so happy for him. He deserves it. Um, and obviously, Josh deserves it as well. Loved his Calais Campbell celebration. That was wonderful on his sack. And the Trayvon got his first two-sack game, right? Is that, yep. is that true as well? First multi-sack game. So, and I believe that, that those two lead the NFL as a tandem, right, with 25 and a half sacks. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've been saying it, and people have been going, oh, you're crazy. But Trayvon's been coming. For weeks, he's been coming. He's a really good football player, and all of a sudden, he's starting to figure out how to finish on some of these sacks. So he is one half sack behind the great Aiden Hutchinson, right, who the Jaguars didn't take. But they've got a guy that they're thrilled. Peter King wrote in his quarterback, or his Monday morning quarterback column, whatever he calls it now, Monday morning football in America column. He wrote that the Lions had to be deliriously happy that the Jaguars took Trayvon Walker. The Jaguars are pretty happy with Trayvon Walker. He's been good all year. He's got nine sacks, and now that he has stats, people realize he's good. Yep. Stats I guess that's what it takes. The eye test doesn't do enough. Apparently. Well, we'll take it. Got them a win, certainly, against the Panthers, and we're hoping for the same thing in the final week of the season against the Titans. We'll preview that matchup for you fully tomorrow on Jags AM, and we'll see you then.